We have a unique kind of a Sunday this morning, and, uh, and I'm really excited. We've reached the end of Luke, right sort of coinciding with this 12-month commemoration. I'm not sure if we call it a, an anniversary, but uh, commemorating a year's worth now of shelter in place here in Santa Clara County. That's when the start of it all happened. You know, like all years, we went into this last year thinking we were in control of more than we actually were. And probably like no year any of us have ever lived, uh, the world has seen some things and changed in some ways, and there's absolutely much to survey and kind of look back on. So that's what this morning is about. In reaching the finale of Luke... If you can go full screen for just a moment, we're ending the preaching, but we're continuing the practice. So even though the series is ending, uh, we're looking to still carry with us the lessons that we uh, gained along the way in Luke. You know, a long while ago when we started this series, I promised this, that, that we would give you the Luke, the whole Luke, and nothing but the Luke. So help us God. And God did help us, didn't he, as we kind of have walked through this. The way this morning is going to go for people sitting in here and for people viewing uh, at home is we're going to just wander back through not only our time in Luke, but even our time on this planet. And we want to just take a Sunday and not rigorously jump into the next thing, not have a text that we need to dissect and get to, but to linger a little bit. In some ways, this is a review. If you think of a review like a test, um, you might be stressing it and thinking you need to catch all the stuff in Luke. That's not really the idea, although we have been tested. We're going to look back and try to remember so that we can carry forward the lessons that God has for us. Would you agree that most of us learn best in a need-to-know or need-to-grow type situation. That means we can't possibly memorize all of the principles that we would need to move forward in life. We just can't hold all of that information. The last 12 months has been full of need-to-know, need-to-grow situations. Here's what a need-to-know situation is. A need-to-know situation is, geez, I've got to make a decision by Thursday, and I didn't take time to really review the choices I need to learn what the options are so that I can make the best decision. All of a sudden, we're motivated to learn. What is a need-to-grow situation? A need-to-grow situation are those times when life punches us in the gut or in the face or even in the illegal below the belt, and we need to grow. Some of you have become parents this last year. And when you're driving a baby home from a hospital or home from uh, an airport, if you're adopting or something, you have a deep sense that you need to grow. There are things you need to give to this child and mentor this child and lead this child, and you need to grow. How about being told that you're furloughed or let go from a job? Maybe you've been diagnosed with cancer or COVID this year, and you realize there are some character things that need to grow. Maybe a young Christian, a brand new Christian in your life, has asked you to mentor them. That's a need-to-grow situation. How about when your city is on fire for weeks at a time because of racial trauma boiling over? When we are summoned 
to the weightier work that we're not equipped for, I hope that prompts in us running to God and saying, God, I need to grow. So I pray you've been growing up in God. I pray that you have been schooled and mentored by the one who walks with us and invites us to keep in step with him. Church, my prayer for you is that your, your empathy has grown this year. I pray that your activism has grown this year. I pray that your trust in God, in fact, I know that your trust in God has been tested. I pray that your trust in God has been expanded. Here's the way that you can participate this morning, if you're here in the room or watching online. First of all, it's okay to not feel comfortable with a review kind of a Sunday. Um, Unhurried observation, which is what meditation is, we're called to meditate on the scriptures. Unhurried observation appears to many people like wasting time. If you're like me and you've been born and raised in the Silicon Valley, man, we are taught to achieve. We're taught to get to the next thing. We're taught to work through things and check things off of our list. Unhurried observation, pondering, reflecting, appears to be wasting time. I assure you it's not. I also know that some in your family and some in our church family are better at this and more in tune with this than others. Lean on them. It's so easy to dismiss pondering and reflecting and unhurried observation with, well, I didn't get anything out of it. Let's move on to the next thing. Those in the church family, those of you who are filled with intuition, those of you who are better at sort of piecing together very subjective kinds of ideas rather than just objective facts strung along in a sequential, logical way, Let your voice be heard. You're the one who's going to shine on a Sunday like this. So here's the way you can, here's some practical things. Take notes if it helps. There's a handout for you. There's no fill in the blanks. Maybe this is the Sunday. If you're a big note taker and you want to write down everything you hear, maybe this is a Sunday. You actually intentionally put down the pen. You put down the keyboard. You just take a breath and say, God, just speak to me. I'm just present and available to you. Help me with unhurried observation this morning. Help me to sit with what is broken. Help me to find what's beautiful in the last 12 months on this planet, in the last year and a half in this book of Luke. I hope that you sit still, although we're open enough here in this room, you could stand up and wander a bit. But even if you sit still physically, let your mind and your heart sort of wander through the fields of Luke. Again, wander back through what's gone on this last year. Wander back through the text. This is an open book review, so just have Luke open. You could could let your mind wander and start reading a passage of Luke. I think God would be delighted of that. But maybe most of all, I would challenge you with this. Take note of what bubbles to the surface. Take time later to process what your heavenly Father might have been saying to you. Maybe there are conversations or people you've been avoiding. Why is that? Even without judgment, just take note of, why is that? Why am I avoiding this person? Why am I avoiding that conversation? Why does that topic stir up in me panic and sort of a churning stomach? 
Maybe there are single words you should write down, images you should write down, people's names you should write down. Don't even try to figure out what it means yet. Just sit with the Lord and ask him to speak to you. You know, Luke has two prominent themes that the other three Gospels don't have uh, as much, and that is prayer and the role of the Holy Spirit. It's not that prayer and the Holy Spirit aren't in the other Gospels, but Luke really highlights those. I would challenge you or invite you to lean into prayer and the presence and the role of the Holy Spirit this morning. Pray with me Psalm 139.23, an absolutely fitting opening prayer for this morning's service. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, see if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. We're going to start off this morning. We talked to the different community groups in our community, and Miguel and Eugene from our men's group on Thursday night are going to kick us off just sharing some of their favorite verses from the last series in Luke. The verse that sticks out to me is Luke 531. It says right here, Jesus' own words here, says, Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And I know a lot of people are concerned about uh, the vaccine and, and uh, getting it and preventing, uh, you know, from getting COVID and all that. But I would say that um, we, we need to put our faith in the Lord. He is, he is the, the great physician. He is the, the healer of everything. And so for me, I'm trying to lean on God and, and put my faith in Him. And so that's that's the verse that really stands out to me right now. Amen. Go. All right. So my favorite passage in Luke is in chapter 10, and it's about the Good Samaritan. It's uh, the only place in the Gospels where that parable appears. And, uh, to me, it's, it's uh, really precious because it reminds us just who our neighbors are and really just tells us that our neighbors are everybody, even people that we'd normally consider to be enemies. And uh, it shows us how we're supposed to have mercy to them. And uh, that's something that I, I really have to remind myself every day. Because uh, yeah, it's, every time you see somebody, that's your neighbor. And I think that's very important to remember. God is good. <laughs> And the first section that we're going to be reviewing this morning is going to be about the goodness of God. And there is nothing better to reflect than to ask questions so that we can take a look at the answers and uh, the subject that we're trying to reflect on. So I want to start this morning with a couple of questions. And the first one you can find on Luke 18, uh, verse 18, and it says the following. And a ruler asked him, God, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And that's exactly what Luke was trying to do at that moment. He was trying to show us that uh, it was like a a portion that Jesus did 
and he was uh, being a little bit rhetorical. And the question was, um, why are you calling me good if only God is good? And what Jesus wanted to tell us is that he is good. So the goodness of God is reflected on the person of Jesus. And throughout Luke, uh, we're going to review a few verses just for you to think and just that um, Luke wanted to emphasize to show us how good was Jesus. And there is no better situation uh, to show how good a person is than when you're going through some deserts, uh, some hard troubles, some um, difficult situations in your life. Um, so most of these verses that we're going to be looking at are people that are having a lot of trouble, that are going through a lot of difficult situations in their lives, and then Jesus comes and he turns everything around and produces a great joy in everybody that encounters Jesus. The first verse that we're going to be reading today is um, when the angel was trying to uh, show that Jesus was born and the, the Messiah was with us. And he says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. As Jesus was being born, he was already uh, being shown that he was going to not only be a good person, but was going to bring great news, good news uh, of great joy for all the people. Then look at this. The first time that Jesus started his ministry, this is what he said to everybody. On Luke 4, 18 and 19, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then, that's when people start coming to him having difficult situations. And in Luke 4, 4, 40, we show... Um, now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hand on every one of them, and he healed them. Now, look at the next one. I love the next one. It's on Luke 5, and it says, And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So not, not, only, not only on that portion, um, cleaning the leprosy, but I see it more also spiritually with us. Um, we come to him, and we just go to his feet, and we ask him, Lord, 
if that's your will, just clean me. Just make me new. Just transform my life. And then he stretched out his hand with each one of us. And then he says, yes, I want to. And he cleans us of everything that we had before. And he makes us new. (laughs) And then on Luke 7, he says, And when the men had come to him, they say, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, look at this, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them. He not only answered them with the actions, but he answers them now with the words. And he says, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. Then on Luke 8, 24, he says, And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased, and there was a calm, just like in our lives. <laughs> on Luke 9, uh, that's, a, that's a miracle that happened also with, with um, many people that were present. And he says, and, talk, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up the heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to uh, set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up. Twelve baskets of broken pieces. Look, it says, on Luke 24, 50, it says, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hand, he blessed them. That's, this is how he ends Luke. And this is, um, this is very important for all of us in particular. He says, While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven giving us hope of there is more after this life. And look the reaction. And they worship him and return to Jerusalem with great joy. So all these are examples that Luke is trying to show us of how good Jesus was when he was with us here on earth and how good he's continuing to be in our lives and how good he's going to be to us. Even, even though we don't see it right now, we're going to be in complete joy when we're able to be in his presence as well. But I'm telling you something. There is a difference between knowing and maybe reading some of these verses and seeing the good of God. But something totally different is to be able to experience it by yourself. In these past two years, um, I want to introduce a person that went through a lot of issues on her lives, but God was good to her. So listen to the testimony of Martha. 
Hello, Martha. Thank you for being with us today and for sharing your story. I know the, these uh, last two years have been very difficult um, with a lot of challenges, but I also know that your faith and your trust in God has uh, gone to another level. So let me start with this. Let me ask you, um, what happened with you uh, two years ago? Okay, yo empecé con una neumonía. Después de, de, me dieron tratamiento por siete días. A los seis meses me volvió a dar neumonía. Ah, pero ahí ya me dijeron que los pulmones estaban, se estaban dañados. Mm. Ah, me volvió a dar neumonía después de ese tratamiento y paré en el hospital. Ya un poco más de tiempo. Y de ahí ya me dijeron que, que necesitaba trasplante, que porque los pulmones estaban dañados. Para eso me hicieron biopsia y diagnosticaron que había agarrado una bacteria por los pájaros. Yo viví en un apartamento donde había bastantes pájaros. Eso se me añadió en los pulmones y eso me causó que los pulmones se fueran cortando. Eso es degenerativo, ya no iba a tener arreglo. Uh, ya no, solamente me iban a estar controlando con medicamento. Al pasar el tiempo, pues... Uh, Estuve con tratamiento de esteroides desde un principio por un año y yo empeoré en ese año, me fue peor. Uh, me dio de, de todo el medicamento que tomaba, me dio una fuerte infección en la sangre, muy fuerte, y de ahí mis pulmones se deterioraron mucho más, mucho, mucho más. Uh, yo vivía ya con máquina uh, de oxígeno en casa de la que va conectada, y, pero... Uh, cada día mi oxígeno iba bajando más, más y más. Yo ya no podía pararme. Yo ya no podía hacer absolutamente nada. So while all this was happening, what uh, were the doctors telling you? Ya no, este, estaban tan mal los pulmones que ya no había nada que hacer. Tenía que estar allá, pero prácticamente yo ya sabía que tenía que estar ahí porque... Era la única manera quizás de yo vivir, pero ya me habían dicho también que ya no había nada que hacer, que yo si quería venir a morir a casa, pues estaba bien. O si quería morir en el hospital, igual estaba bien. Now, while all this was happening, how was your faith on those moments? Mi, fuerte, fuerte. Mi fe, mi fe desde el momento que yo empecé a estar enferma, nunca jamás mi fe cayó jamás. Yo siempre me recordaba de Job. De, de Job fue él el, el, el que más me ministró. Que yo siempre lo recordaba, que nunca cuestioné a Dios a pesar de cómo yo me sentía y de que yo sabía que tal vez podía morir. Uh, yo confiaba en Dios. Uh, yo siempre visualicé a Dios a mi, a mi izquierda. Yo siempre cuando me decían, vas a morir, ya no hay nada que hacer. Yo solo, yo decía, Señor, yo no escuché. Tú has escuchado y tú harás. I also know that there is a long list of people waiting for their transplants. Um, but that wasn't the case with you. Le doy gracias a Dios también porque mis, los pulmones llegaron rápido. Y porque había yo a, a pacientes allá que tenían ya mucho tiempo esperando. Meses, quizás hasta más de un año. Y yo me siento más que bendecida porque aún y con todo lo que a mí me decían, 
ah, el señor me dio pulmones. Un día iba pasando el avión arriba un, un viernes y yo dije, señor, ¿será que ahí vienen mis pulmones? Y era así. Al otro día me despiertan y me dicen, prepárate porque ha llegado tu trasplante. No les podría explicar la emoción que todavía yo no lo podía creer como es grande Dios. So they did the transplant and what happened after the transplant? Que después de, de, del trasplante yo estuve siete días uh, después del trasplante abierta que, que hay una que solamente la bata dice, dice mi hijo que el corazón se me, me me miraban porque estuve abierta por más de una semana porque no me salí tan inflamada que no me podían cerrar. Now you were able to make it home. You had all these tubes and you know you were with oxygen and everything, but you were able to finally make it home. And then COVID came. Definitivamente yo he confiado siempre en el Señor y yo solo decía Señor guarda a mis hijos, uh, guárdalos y yo voy a cuidarme lo más que pueda. Y le doy gracias, gracias, infinitamente las gracias a Dios porque mi hijo el mayor y mi esposo siempre están enfermos de gripa, siempre viven con el NyQuil, la, el, el XL3, siempre ca, cambio de clima, les da la gripa, en tiempo de la alergia, muy fuerte la alergia, les da de todo durante siempre. Y yo le doy infinitamente las gracias a Dios porque desde que yo llegué a casa, nadie se ha enfermado de nada. No son coincidencias, es Dios que me ha cuidado y la misericordia del Señor que tiene conmigo, definitivamente. Martha, thank you very much for sharing your story. I know a lot of people are going to be blessed by your words. Thank you and God bless you. Well, Jesus loves us for sure, and Luke does a, an amazing job of pointing out the details of that love that he has for us. And, uh, you know, I was asked to, to, to do this, this section um, on God's uh, uh, seeking and saving the lost. Um, I, was in, I came in a very unique position. Um, we talk a lot about healing in the book of Luke. Luke makes a detailed account of healing miracles from casting out demons uh, in dramatic fashion uh, to sensing a woman touching his garment. Luke documents each one with some being very intimate while others are more broad accounting of multiple healings within a crowd. In fact, Luke is the longest book of the four Gospels probably because of his emphasis on those details and historical accuracy. I was asked to present because um, I have suffered from uh, various ailments in the last uh, four or five years. In 2014, my wife and I uh, both got uh, Lyme disease, which most of you uh, in this room and online know. And there was a period of time there where we thought we would never be healed. Uh, and in 2019, God did an amazing work and that has completely restored our health And we don't think about Lyme disease at all. And it's a good, it's a good blessing. Uh, 
The other uh, is more recent. I've, I've been sharing my journey with Dave since my father's death in August of last year and some of my struggles during the political season last October, November, and beyond. I've discovered that many are sick in the world, some with physical ailments, but others are more difficult to diagnose. I had it named my illness. Uh, Dave helped me with that when I described it to him. I was filling uh, my mind with media news stories and with the, the election coverage, and, and I became pretty toxic, depressed, feeling pretty hopeless. Um, I was consumed by it. I told, I told Dave, at, at one point, I made a decision. I just turned everything off. And I stopped watching, listening to radio. I stopped looking at social media. And then God began to replace this negative messaging uh, with a desire to consume something else. I've never been a book reader. Some people have told me I, I have ADD. Not sure, um, you know, if you recognize it in me. Anyway, I could never get through a book. Most of what I read wasn't read at all. I, I, I would listen to books. I listened to the Bible and that was the bulk of my study time. Uh, and uh, I was having trouble sleeping. So my wife goes to bed earlier than, than I do, and she opens a book and starts reading it and for half an hour or so, and then she goes off to sleep. I decided to give that a try. Um, I have an interest in apologetics, and so I, I grabbed a book on the topic and began reading. Over the past six months, I've completed almost three books, most of them in the last three weeks. <laughs> So uh, it's been uh, not, not like me to, to be able to finish one book, much less three. Um, but uh, I think that's what God is doing to heal my mind from all that toxicity. Luke 5.18, 20, uh, reminds us there was a man that was uh, lowered from, from a roof of, of a home where Jesus was. He was unable to walk. Jesus says to the man, your sins are forgiven. This did not sit well with the religious leaders of the day. Jesus perceived their thoughts and he says to them, which is better to say, your sins are forgiven or rise up, take your bed, go home. Jesus, the great healer, wants to heal our souls. Our neighbors, our friends, our family members, our government leaders, and maybe someone you know is in need of one of these healings. And my prayer this morning, as we read a few verses, just reminding us of God's love and Him seeking and saving, that you would see just how much He runs for us to rescue us, to save us. Luke 4, 38, 39. And He arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve him. Remember Jesus cleansing the leper? While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. This is Luke five twelve through 14. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand, touching him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, 
But go show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. What a, what a testament of faith that this man came running to Jesus as soon as he saw him. Luke five eighteen through 20. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof. This is the one we just spoke of. Luke 6, 6 through 10. On another Sabbath, Jesus did a lot of healing on the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there, and Jesus said to him, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around them, he all said to them, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was restored. Jesus didn't just, just didn't do healings. He cast out demons. And uh, he, he had full-on conversations with them. Which I found, uh, you know, pretty amazing. In Luke 8, 26, 33, he says, Then they sailed to the, uh, to the country of Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. That's that's scary. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. We are in need of a Savior. We are in chains before we come to know Him. And at one point, God comes in and intercedes on our behalf and breaks the chains and gives us hope. I hope this morning you are feeling the hope that comes from knowing that Jesus is in control. I want to sing a, a song here called How Can It Be? It really talks about how God has saving power even though we sometimes don't deserve it. Sort of the last way we're looking at the Gospel of Luke and slicing it up, I guess, this morning is... The tagline for the series has been hopeful healing for all. And as I went back through and read the whole gospel of Luke over the last couple of weeks, different things jumped out at me because I'm in a different place in my life even than when we were studying and going through it. 
But um, I, I actually heard this idea that good news for all nations um, started not at Jesus' birth announcement, but really it's the whole of Scripture, isn't it? Um, that Israel would be blessed. Why? To be a blessing to the nations, not to, not to store it up for themselves, but that there was always God's plan that it would be good news for all peoples. So I want to just highlight some scriptures. I'm just going to sort of, again, sort of wandering through the, the harvest of Luke, and I want to call out some verses showing how incredibly universal Luke is in, um, in his recording of who Jesus ministered to. You know, that famous Gentile Goldilocks would have called the book of Matthew too Jewish, right? And how about Mark? I think the Gospel of Mark, she would have said, that's too dark. So much suffering in Mark. How about John? John is too theological, too wordy. What's Luke? Luke is just right. Luke is just right for a Gentile. In fact, Luke is an outsider. And so sometimes it takes an outsider to speak the language of outsiders. You think about genres of music. Those who can cross out of their genre um, usually requires an artist who kind of lives in two different worlds, and so it is with Luke. So let me just read a few scriptures for you, highlighting the idea that it really is hopeful healing for all. The extension that Jesus gives, the offer Jesus gives, was and is for all people. I want to highlight the idea that uh, there's, there's women talked a lot about in Luke. And while in our culture this sounds really offensive, in first century Near East Palestine, a woman's testimony wasn't even uh, admissible in court. Jesus elevated women with all of their God-given dignity, value, and worth, that they were image bearers of God just like men were. So listen to Luke 7, which says this, And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. If you've read your Bible or been raised in the church, you know where that story goes. I won't finish it for you. But this is the kind of person drawn to Jesus. A woman of the city. A sinner. How about in Luke 15, 12? Jesus extends his love to prodigals and to older brothers who bitterly don't know what they have. It says, not many days later, the younger son, that would be the prodigal son, if you've heard of that story, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. Who's the hope of Jesus for? It's for prodigals who squander their lives in reckless living. Also in Luke 15, Luke 15, 1. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And then watch the contrast. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. I'm going to show you some contrast here. Who's being drawn to Jesus? Who's being repelled by Jesus? 
It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Who's the sinner in all the Gospels? We all are. But the self-righteous see themselves as healthy. The self-righteous grumble when sick people are attracted to Jesus. How about Luke 19? In Luke 19, 1, Zacchaeus is not just a a tax collector. He's chief of tax collectors. Listen to this. He entered Jericho. He was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And when Jesus came to the place, verse 5, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Verse 7, look at the response. And when they saw it, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the self-righteous, they all grumbled. Why? Because he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Do we see the pattern here? Jesus attracts those who are in need. Jesus repels those who think they have no need. Luke 13, verse 10. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Rob, you're right. Lots of Sabbath teaching going on, challenging the status quo. You have heard it said, but Jesus comes along, shows the true nature of it. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit, catch this, for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. Verse 13, and he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. What cause for celebration, right? Look at the very next verse. But the ruler of the synagogue was indignant. Luke 8 Soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages. Just listen to this hodgepodge of outsiders, outcasts, for, forgotten, um, just sort of last to be picked in line. Soon afterward, he went through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, that's a ragtag bunch enough, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Do you see how Luke just takes great pains to say, look at this posse that's with Jesus. Look who Jesus is attracting. Later on in, verse, uh, in chapter 8, verse 43, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Listen to this. Maybe this is you. And though she had spent all that she had on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. Though she spent all she had on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. 12 years of searching. 12 years of trying to get out from under the ailments that she had. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately, what happened? She was healed. The discharge of blood ceased. And he said to her, daughter, watch this, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Let me do one more just because it's fun. We could keep going really for a long time. Luke 7. 
Now a centurion, remember the Jews were an occupied people. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and to the point of death. The centurion says to Jesus, look, just say the word and let my servant be healed. And it says this, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. At this foreigner, not just a Gentile, but a ruling Gentile over the Jews, the people of God. He marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed, he said this, I tell you, not even in all of Israel have I found such faith. Jesus highlighting the faith of a foreigner. Church, hear me. The offer is still available. In fact, the hopeful healing is is divine work. We can search all that we have. We can put all of our money into seeking after the helps of this world when what it takes is a touch of Jesus. But the hope of God that's found in Jesus is activated by faith. Repeatedly, Jesus just said, believe in me. Luke is is telling what fits with the whole sweeping testimony of all the Old Testament prophets. And Jesus is this last and final prophet of the Old Testament period. What is he preaching? He's preaching a similar message to what God's been trying to say. Here it is. Flee the wrath to come. The wages of sin is death. All flesh is under a curse. Can't hide it away. You can't seek out physicians that will, that will help numb or distract it away. Flee the wrath to come. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, is how Jesus put it. It's activated by faith. It's an act of faith to get in the ark of Noah. Flee the wrath to come by getting into the ark, Noah preached. Flee the wrath to come by getting into me, Jesus preached. Believe in me. Come to me. Trust my word as the physician. I won't only give you the really difficult, hard-to-hear diagnosis of your sin, but I'll give you the easy-to-understand prescription for life. Hear and do what I say. Trust me. Turn to me. Believe in me. If you're watching and you haven't done this, if you're sitting here and you haven't done this, the offer remains sitting right in front of you. It's, it's all the heavy lifting's done. All you do is pick it up by faith. Say, I receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers me. I want to flee the wrath to come by receiving the free gift of life from Jesus. Church, this has been a different kind of a Sunday. We're going to wrap up just with some singing. And um, if you need to mute and just spend some time in prayer as a family, as a, as a watching group that you're doing just by yourself, just do that. Feel free or just pause it and then pick it up later. In just a few moments, we're going to have an outdoor service. And it's a little chilly today, but we're going to press through. We're going to persevere. We're continuing to meet indoors. We're continuing to meet online. We're continuing to meet um, outdoors. And we're continuing to do this all in two different languages. The next two weeks, we're going to look at just a short two-week series that I think I'm going to call Church Now, which means hey, as, we, as we sort of emerge from hibernation, as we emerge from sort of what's going on, let's survey what's going on. 
Let's survey and say, God, what does church look like for us now? What, what are the new lessons we're supposed to carry forward? Let me pray and then we'll, we'll close out our service with some singing. God, thank you so much. Just even for these lyrics we just sing about the love of God, I think about your love for me every single day without fail. And yet, God, I hear this song and my heart resonates with it. Jesus, you love me. You are for me. And if every single person on the entire planet were an author by trade, we would use up all the ink in the ocean if the ocean were filled with ink because we can't exhaust the beauty of your goodness, the wonder of your love. God, this grand story that we find ourselves in. God, it's just so plain to me. I read a testimony of someone who lived hundreds of years ago this week rebelled against you his entire life. Even on his deathbed, he was a rebel to you. You healed him. He walked again. And in a moment, you filled his mind. You decluttered his heart. You cleansed him. And he said what years and years of study never taught him as he looked at the gospel was made utterly clear in an instant. It's the flooding of your Holy Spirit. It's light coming on a darkened mind due to sin. God, I pray that for people in this room. I pray that for myself. I pray for people watching. God, that we would turn to the light instead of having our back to you. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dreaming us up. God, thank you for sparing Martha's life and Rob's life. God, every single life is precious. Life is good. We fear death because it's an enemy. We're not flippant about it, God. We hold our life as a stewardship, as a gift from you. Steer us and use us as you will. God, we are living sacrifices for you this morning. In the strong and risen and present and alive and well, blessing name of Jesus Christ, we pray.